Hi everyone, before we get to the episode, Ryan and I just want to take um, a bit of time and space to remind you that there are links regarding the Ukraine, the Philippine elections, and other such causes in our descriptions now. Because, well, we know that our subject matter in the Pen News podcast isn't exactly the most woke subject matter, but, you know... Things are going on in the world and they are unavoidable. And I think that it is, to an extent, our duty still to talk about them and bring them to the forefront. So where we can help and where you can help, we're going to help with that. Okay, so click the links there regarding the Ukraine, the Philippine elections and other such materials. And thanks for hanging around. On to the episode. I think a true friend is supposed to be like that. You don't have to update your friend like 24-7 what you're doing. A true friend will be there to wait for you, willing to listen when you're ready to share your story. I really thought you were referring to yourself as the true friend. And then now I'm just realizing, oh, you're talking about my journals. Yes. everyone hey everyone Um, welcome to another episode of of pen i'm ryan i'm jika and for today's episode we're going to talk about something deep consumerism yeah Actually, it's about time we talked about this because you always hear us talk about our lovely little Marxist tendencies and our and somewhat going in contrast with our love of buying stationery and fountain pens. So I think it's about time we talk about the big elephant in the room. Consumerism. Yeah. yeah. It's in your marriage, Jika. It's in my the letter C for consumerism. <laughs> I also like mine. Yeah. So here we are. So yeah, we're going to go with the usual stuff. Sorry, I'm doing my eyelashes without looking. Noob Discoveries <laughs> first. Let's do this. Yeah, let's go with the Noob Discoveries first. And interestingly, my Noob Discovery for this episode isn't something that's new. I didn't really buy anything new lately, but I've discovered something that I can do with leather, which will make you guys cringe. Oh, no, cringe. Ano to? (laughs) So over uh, for Christmas, Jika gave me a Hobunichi um, leather cover. Yeah, so it's from Block 77. It's uh, a pagawa because Jika had to give the specifications of which which leather, like what color, and I super, super love it. It fits two Hobunichi weeks. Oh, I did not know. Yeah, actually, you can put just one, but if you put one, it's kind of like awkward because it, it has a very big, it's kind of the, the excess leather is kind of big, but I tried putting two and it looks so nice together. It does. So, it does. Because I used two Hobonichi weeks, one for work, the other one for personal. So, yeah, that's, that's how I roll with my use of Hobonichi weeks. Now, the thing is, um, when this arrived to me, when I asked Jika about it, um, I, I just gave a comment about the threads. It was like, oh, it's dark blue. Not that it's bad. I like it. It's just that I just want my things to be like 
all black, like pure black. So it was also the same thing with the pencil case or the, the pen case I got from Galen Leather last Christmas also. I, I bought a Galen Leather pen case. Um, I'll show it. It's actually here. Um, the threads are white. And I like it, but I wanted the threads to be black. So I asked around in the Galen Leather Facebook group how to go about with it or if they have any tips. And then I saw someone telling me that, oh, just just use a marker. Color it with a permanent marker. <laughs> and, um, well, I haven't tried it yet on the Galen Leather. But today, while I was um, mindlessly just doing something, I ended up getting a marker without even really thinking. Like, guys, mm. I swear. I wasn't thinking, and then I just ended up using the marker and then rubbing it onto the thread. And then it's it's okay. Nothing happened. Look. Yeah. See? Yeah. So it there. It looks great. Yes, exactly. So, so what's the new discovery here? Where, well, one, it's not a new discovery per se, but I am promoting this, um, the leather goods from Block 77. Yay. Super nice leather super nice leather i love it a lot she's also such a great person to talk to like coordinating everything for your gift i like from day one she was like here's a list of all the leathers okay if you have questions here's what we can do and then like she'd update me without my prompting and i'd be just like oh this is such great care for the creation of a product appreciate it go for block 77 she's awesome yeah, so there. So my new discovery would be this beautiful Hobonichi Weeks, especially if you have two. Just have one cover mm. for both. And use a fountain pen to like close it. There, I'm using a, a Caveco um, brass sport. And the second new discovery would be you can use a marker to color the threads if you want a dark <laughs> a black one. But yeah, please proceed with caution. So there. How about for you, Jika? Uh, my new discovery is still tarot related um, because thank you Eunice she actually has a box in the United States I found out that the tarot deck that I've wanted for quite a long time doesn't ship to the Philippines and it's called Khan and Selesnik's The Drowning World Tarot Deck and Guidebook it's $87 and everything in it like all the cards are made through photography but like staged creatively directed photography like I'll, I'll just show an example um ha! okay for example this is from oh i'll lower the brightness um on the screen right now and i will link this this is a picture of the seven of cups like it's literally made of seven cups taken a picture of and made to drown so like I found I found the tarot deck and Eunice um, has ordered it for me and I have yet to pay her by the end of the week. But at least I'm going to get the tarot deck that I've wanted for a long time. Yay! Oh, it's that's really nice. Weird. <laughs> it's really nice. small. Like, how do you call it? This past, I think it was last weekend, I went to the beach. You saw you saw the pictures, right? Um, and I, I brought everything. I didn't do anything with it. So I'm only getting back to my tarot and my journaling 
a week after the beach weekend. I'm still hungover from it. Yeah, that, that's perfectly fine. I remember when I went to Dubai as well, I brought a lot of stuff for journaling. And then, well, the only time I can journal is really when I go to a coffee shop. And it's not always that I would really go to a coffee shop because, you know, a lot of things to do in Dubai. So, yeah. yeah. You spent money to go to another place to journal? And, and I know that some people do that, but I guess given the amount of stresses that we've had and being cooped up in our houses for so long with immediate journaling capabilities, le- like left and right, yeah, Ryan messaged me like, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be journaling. Good luck. <laughs> and it didn't. I, I gave up after two entries and I enjoyed myself. So thanks, Ryan, for that reminder. Yeah, I, I do think that there are moments really in your life when you just really have to live it. And then yeah. Just come back to your journaling, tell the story. I think a true friend is supposed to be like that. You don't have to update your friend like 24-7 what you're doing. A true friend will be there to wait for you, willing to listen when you're ready to share your story. I really thought you were referring to yourself as the true friend. Yeah. And then now I'm just realizing, oh, you're talking about my journals. Yes. Both. Exactly. Your journals. <laughs> so, yeah. So I noticed that we're not really sharing anything like a new item um, yeah. lately in our, our new discoveries. I've noticed over the past episodes, we would always share something new, like a new product, a new object. Um, a new stationery, whatever. Um, but now it's really about repurposing um, or choosing more mindful objects that we'd like to to have and acquire. Yeah. And I think it's kind yeah. of related to what we've talked about in one of the episodes when we've when I've mentioned the this whole lipstick effect. Uh, wait, I hate you. Because okay, wait lang ah, guys. I bought lipstick today. Oh. <laughs> random okay so yeah i was preparing for this episode i was doing research and then i didn't realize it um earlier today but i was in the mall properly distanced with masks with alcohol and everything and i just bought my skincare and i happened to buy lipstick and then after i bought it i was like this is so appropriate to what we're gonna talk about today i bought lipstick because i haven't really had the urge to buy pen things and I want to do my nails. And I just, like, it's cheaper. So, yes, I bought the lipstick. What was <laughs> what was the thing about the lipstick effect anyway last time, right? Yeah, well, a lips, the lipstick effect is like a behavioral economics phenomenon wherein people, especially during a crisis or recession, <laughs> if they cannot purchase um, more expensive goods, they would settle for something that could could more or less compensate for that desire or that that wanting of, of an object. So maybe, did you buy that lipstick for a specific reason or were you no. trying to No, I was, a- I was just buying. I ran out of my niacinamide so I was, and mascara. So I bought niacinamide and mascara. And then I saw the lipstick and I was like, Ate, like, Ate, that, that, that's what happens with the whole lipstick effect. Um, you know, you 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 have certain things that you want to buy or you really need to buy, like the, the serums, and then you ended up seeing a lipstick, um, maybe, you know, just to add, yeah. um, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. Treat. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the lipstick effect <laughs> that that behavioral economists would would talk about. Um, actually, for me, even for skincare, though, I don't think it was more of a lipstick effect because I really got into the skincare brand called um, Good Molecules. So they're they're available in Beauty Manila, and I super super love the skincare line. I mean, it's kind of similar to the ordinary, but it's not as intimidating as the ordinary because uh, like they really spell out what it's for it's not like the ordinary you really have to google search and find out what this this product is for um and yeah and then there's a different formulations right like five percent and so on and so forth but this one is just really you know it really tells you what's it for it is it for color correction is it for moisturizing etc cetera, etc cetera. so there just yeah, plus small... it's pretty. It's pretty. It has more color than the ordinary and the inky list. So yeah, and, and it's cheaper. At least in this country, it's cheaper. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, interestingly, it's actually quite cheaper. So yeah, I I bought a set that I I use uh one day for all products with niacinamide, and then the next day products with glycolics. So I, I do a bit of an alternate. So that's what I do. I, I've developed a skincare routine, an AM and PM thing. So yeah, there. there Ooh, that's so intense. And you're taking <laughs> your time with it. But yeah, it really is therapeutic, guys. Other than journaling, other than all the stationary collecting and even the podcasting, my therapist told me, sometimes if you gotta like settle down and like, empty your brain of everything you need that mindfulness meditative activity i found that mine is doing skincare more specifically it's washing my face my yeah. brain absolutely shuts down for a good two minutes while i'm washing my face in and i've bulked it up to five minutes because i've been double cleansing thank you sarah Bay. <laughs> i love it how many minutes do you take to do your whole skincare Oh, I'm really low maintenance compared to a lot of people because I can't really do foamy things and I can't do strong things. So I just, I used to do just like water than moisturizer. That, that was like five years ago. And now it is CeraVe SA cleanser. Guys, sorry, we're still talking about products, but like skincare, give us a skincare moment. CeraVe SA, so that's how this is like acid foaming cleanser. And then you've got, the hyaluronic, the moisturizing cleanser. And then after I get out, so that's all I do. Um, I do Hada Labo um, lotion and then I do niacinamide. I did the inky list for the longest time, but now they ran out. So I have BLK Cosmetics niacinamide, um, 10% plus like 1% zinc. And then I do Hada Labo milk and then that's it. Um, takes me inside the bathroom, five minutes tops. Takes me post bathroom, post shower, 10 minutes tops. Cause I because you gotta wait for things to absorb, right? And just right. when it's about to dry, that's when you like go in with the next product. How yeah. how long does yours take? I think probably the almost the same, almost the same. Um so my routine would be facial wash and then a toner. So mm -hmm. I have two toners now, so funny. <gasps> Per, per per day like if it's going to be glycolic day the the one with with with, with that acid uh -huh. if it's niacinamide it's the niacinamide toner <laughs> and then <laughs> and then i have two color correcting serums 
Um, if it's niacinamide day, the, I'll use the serum with the niacinamide. If it's a glycolic day, then I use the, the, the serum with the glycolic acid. So I really separated them because you really can't combine niacinamide and glycolic. So there. Glycolic's like bawal ka sa araw, right? That's for evening? Yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, you can use it in the day. They even said that you're not even supposed to call hyaluronic as an acid because it's really more of a serum because it's there to moisturize your skin. So yeah, that's really what it's for. Oh no. And of course, forget, never forget sunscreen. Yeah, I don't, I don't do sunscreen. <laughs> it's the only thing I'm super crap about. I used to just like, eh, my foundation, my, my BB cream has sunscreen that's done. But since I'm not going out, I'm not even putting on sunscreen. Sorry, guys. You're probably cringing. It's like not washing your pens for a month. Yes. But yeah, you should. Well, that's what the dermatologist would say. Like all of the effort that you've put into your skin will turn into waste if you don't use sunscreen. I hate it. It's like pen care. Like I only amped up, I only amped up my skincare regimen fairly recently, and now it's like, oh, I have that other thing that I don't like to do, but okay. And where? Sorry, guys, we really digress to skincare. It's really the other thing that we could end up talking about, and, and Pokemon, um, on this podcast. But we're gonna get back to topic, because my outfit is totally gonna get wasted if we don't talk about money. If you zoom in, I am wearing. The traditional Filipino duster, also known as a house dress. It's, it's, it's got Irish hats and pots of gold. Pots of gold. Well, I do think we, we're not, we're digressing a bit, but I think it's totally on point because we're talking about consumerism, basically. We're talking about these things that we we purchase, these things that we, we use. Um, and interestingly, we've, we've, moved a bit our expenses from fountain pen stuff and stationaries into skincare this time around. Yeah, and that's true. you want to understand, of course, this whole consumerism, this whole cycle of consumption, especially when it comes to our stationaries and fountain pens and everything that we use um, for writing. Yeah. Especially after getting our grails, it's, it's kind of like, after getting the grail, you mindfully saved up for it. You checked all of the prices. You checked all of the models available. And then you get your grail. And then it's there. And then after, you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> right? So we just look at stuff. I mean, I've bought some stuff after the grail. But I've noticed that my stationary expenses have tapered or they've been diverted to things, yeah, like skincare or like that occasional lipstick. Or like I recently I've been more about like I'll spend on good food. Um because I already have the grail. And I guess what what I'm wondering about, and Ryan and I were talking about this fairly recently, was like like how is it that before we didn't really care much about prices? Well, except for the grail. And this time around, we're seeing a lot of um, we're seeing a lot of sellers. We're seeing a lot of, or we look for those sellers and those websites, and we're just wondering what the heck's going on. How come before we didn't check the prices, and then this time around we're seeing like differences in prices. Um, we're also considering the differences in shipping. We're and and it's it's very confusing stuff for English teachers. 
Yeah. Well, actually, it's interesting now that we're we're talking about it. We, I think, amidst the pandemic, um, it has also opened new business opportunities for people. Um, before there were just key people who would sell fountain yeah. pens and stationeries. Like pre-pandemic, it would most likely be, of course, the the stores like Scribe and um, everything calligraphy. Everything calligraphy. Um, and of course, analog. And then there's a community um, on Facebook for for fountain pen users in the Philippines. They call it the Fountain Pen Palenque. And there are some of what they call as the power sellers. But I notice also there are more power sellers now, or there are others who would post um, fountain pens and stationaries. And they have a store or they have a specific brand. Um, so they're also resellers. So I think that there's been an influx of yeah. new sellers in the market. And because of that, I think we've started to notice that there are difference, differences in pricing. Yeah, and the other thing we've noticed is that whereas before you'd have to wait for the product to become available to you, um, this time around, it's like group buys for keyboards. <laughs> right? So there are pre-orders for everything and like there's a set amount of pre-orders or sometimes they extend the pre-orders and everything. And it's it's getting really complicated to juggle all the pre-orders or the possible pre-orders in your mind and then keep track of everything in your planner and it's just very confusing. And today we're going to try to make sense of it and all the pricing and all the systems in place. We're not experts, but we're trying and we did consult someone or rather Ryan did. So Ryan... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we 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 will need to first understand the whole. Maybe we can just focus first on fountain pens uh, yeah. because you know we're, we're going to end up talking about a lot of other stuff. But I think the 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 heftier goods here would be the fountain pens. That's where you get to see the differences in the the pricing. So you know the fountain pen market really is a very niche market mm-hmm. because only those who really want it and are knowledgeable about those goods would would purchase. So there's that assumption that purchasing it um, comes with some purchasing power. Yeah. And of course, that interest, because it, it is indeed a niche market. It caters to a specific group of people who are interested in a specific good, and that would be fountain events. So there. And I think because a lot of people are getting into fountain events and a lot of people are sharing their fountain pens. It has become a thing to look for new ones, right? Like usually in the Philippines, what do we have available? We have Platinum, we have Sailor, we have some Pelicans, we have, uh, actually you have a lot, but there are also some models available from Sailor, Platinum, Pelican, which are not available in the Philippines because the major distributors don't sell them. And maybe you'd be lucky to find them in the, the in uh, like like in online marketplaces, but you would notice that in the online marketplace, the prices for those specific goods are quite different. Yeah, the pricing is quite. Yeah, so the thing there is that because now we get to find products or goods that are quite scarce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's a scarce supply on that, and so that's the. What that's what's being capitalized by those who are reselling these goods. So let's say, I don't know, what's what's a 
Um, I, I, I know there's a Sailor Pro gear that's really nice. The something like a star or something. I, I sorry, I'm, I can't keep up with the Sailor. Is this the sa- the one that I wanted? The Sailor Hachimonjiya Kubo Sakura, the pink one. Well, yeah, that's one. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about other. that one or that line, because like there's the the, the Hachimonjias always get no ubosila. Like it's immediately gone, or like the new Kakimori brass steel and glass nibs immediately gone off the shop so what's up with that well i guess people want it <laughs> and yeah this- i know but like how would you call it I, I i guess i'm kind of caught unawares all the time because i always depend on our basic like economics 101 where it's like low supply high demand um um high supply low demand and obviously it's always that that's the case here that there's a low supply obviously there's a limited run of the limited edition pens but it's exacerbated by the fact that well distance is something that we still have to breach and like if you go on the website or if you ask around from your friends in japan or who are close to there the price isn't really that bad but by the time someone's selling it online, the price becomes massively painful. Mm-hmm. And I am soft to pain. <laughs> well, I do think it's really because the supply isn't, no, no, you know, it's not here. So it would really yeah. entail that a middleman would be there to actually acquire um, the good or the goods from, from a different location or from a different place. And it puts us now in a position for consumers to think about what's the trade-off. Would you be willing to spend this much for convenience or for the challenge of being able to get it on your own? So there, um, um, economists would call this something like the deal of convenience. So aside from paying for the good, you're also paying for the convenience that comes with the purchase because you don't have to worry about you know shipping you well shipping to the country mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about ordering you don't have to worry about staying up late at night yeah. just to check out or you don't have to really spend to go to Japan for example just to be able to buy it someone will be spending or yeah someone will be allocating their resources their time their energy to be able to acquire the good for you. So that's the deal of convenience there. Aside from paying for the pen, you're actually paying for the effort <laughs> of the other person who's the middleman to for the pen to arrive onto your doorsteps. Teacher, teacher, on what team are you on? Because right now, I have a strong feeling I am team convenience. Despite <laughs> my wallet, I am team convenience. What are you on, right? Well, to be honest, I do like the challenge, but I just don't like the whole concept of having to ship it to... Um, um, they, they have these services where you can ship it in a, in a, an address within that country that's in mm. Japan. I, I'm sorry, I just can't remember the, the term, but is it like... Is it like the shipping like cart. Sh- shipping cart, yeah, something like that. So they have those kinds of services. Um I'm not very comfortable yet with that, but maybe that's something I'd be willing to explore. But for products or for goods rather that 
I like and I might not be able to acquire them. I try to ask around if I have friends who are there in that country, then maybe I can ask. But if not, I'll just, you know, I'm not, I don't have this fear of missing out, to be honest. <laughs> I just think that my pins and my stationaries are fated for me. So if it's there, if it's meant for me to come, what I mean, it's there for me, it's available. I have the ability to, and I have the access for it, then okay. But if it's not yet the time, then maybe it's not yet the time. Oh gosh, I wish I was like that. But I'm a Capricorn, so I'm not. <laughs> I usually go for convenience because whenever I purchase something and like it's on the delivery route and I'm like, you know where, I mean, you've tried to deliver things here, right, Ryan? And it's not easy. Yeah, It's rarely easy to get into my village. Like there was a time where in, I, like, I think, I bought a pen, yeah. I bought a pen from Alden, Sir Alden Castaneda, eternally God Savior. Okay. He he uses the grab or the Lala move to get the rider to get here. And then they just get lost. And then there was this one time I had to call my aunt, who's like two villages away. It's like, Temeng, can you pick me up and then drive me to the gate? Because it has taken the rider three hours to just get around and he's trying and he can't find the place. So I always have this anxiety of not just being inconvenienced, but also inconveniencing another person. So, and the easiest way to like soothe my, inco- my, my guilt for giving someone else a hard time is to pay them or to give them like the bottle of water or like give them an incentive. So I'm like team convenience. And like, that's just the small scale. That's within Metro Manila. If, if a purchase is from Japan or farther away, I much prefer having someone not just deal with the logistical stuff, but also deal with the emotional stuff. <laughs> if a pen gets lost, at least I won't have to deal with it alone. If a pen or like a product gets wrecked or like the ship it's on gets wrecked or something, they will, the, 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 the person, the seller will have to tell me, Mr. Gala, Jika, uh, I'm sorry. And I'm in pain just like you are in, but our pens are gone. <laughs> you know that feeling? I'm team convenience. I will pay that extra amount just to not worry. And that's something I learned today because of your lovely yeah. little discussion. That's perfectly fine. Well, I, I don't have the right vocabulary for this. That I, I do remember something I learned about risk management. You know, one, one aspect of risk management is to transfer the liability. And so I think it, with that convenience comes the you know, passing on a liability to a seller. Um, that sounds kind of wrong, but yeah, it, 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 it is part of the whole deal, yeah. you know, the whole deal of convenience. So you're not just paying for the goods really, but you're also paying for a lot of other things like the stress, you know, instead of being stressed out, you, you paid for this. And so I commend those who are reselling because you guys are so patient. We've, we've transferred this whole stress to you (laughs) yeah and like the pre-sellers especially not even just the resellers it's the pre-sellers who are like okay i'm doing a group buy for the new pilot air shizuku release inks um i have 10 slots they're taking the risk and sometimes they even let you just pay when it gets here 
pay half or not pay like you know pay whole that kind of thing so they take on the risk that's their money and everything and we commend you for that because i can't but again i'm a convenience person or if you're a challenge person maybe that's just like oh that person's or like that seller is doing that kind of stuff why do go in i can do it by myself i mean that's ryan so, guys sorry with hobo nichi that's ryan in my <laughs> really with hobo nichi and, and it's only because we buy by bulk so we know the baseline logic of it but you can buy from hobo nichi directly um but you know for other people they pay other people to take that risk maybe because they're just buying one or two products from hobo nichi so there's that yeah although of course there there are other factors to consider i'm i'm sure also that resellers or those who are selling these goods may have different you know may have other sources and so maybe the the price point of where they got the the good may be different from what is advertised or published. So we don't know so much these things because, of course, we're, we're not resellers. But point being is that there will always be a price to pay for yes. it. And the, the choice is whether you pay extra for the convenience or you pay less for the challenge of doing all of these coordination. I love it. We have essentially... Did we come up with this convenience and challenging? Or is it like a legit... like? economics term well um actually when, when i was consulting with uh, my friend who's an economist so her name's angel so she's an economist and she's also a lecturer at um, one of the universities here in the philippines mm-hmm. um she did talk about challenge ver- or convenience versus something else uh, there's a different term or there's really no fixed term but mm-hmm. i was like i just like the idea of having two letters like that's true with the same start letter so like C and C's. It's a C versus a C. Pretension. Yeah. Since we're talking about consumerism, consumerism is a question of convenience or <laughs> of chal- or challenge. Yeah. So there. I admire the people who take the challenge, though. And I'm sorry, like my boyfriend always does the challenge. Like he buys a 35k to 40k pen straight from Japan, and he's like, "I will take the risk of just how much customs is gonna charge me." <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, yeah, you also have to deal with the other fees. So comes with a price would be the payment also, of course, of maybe import tax and other taxes or custom fees that come with that, especially if your goods exceed a specific you know, price limit uh, within a specific country. You know, each country has their own set of um of limits when it comes mm-hmm. to the the to the tax that they put like for example in the philippines it's really ten thousand pesos mm. so if you exceed that you'll have to pay for additional fees usually they they put they slap like 30 13 percent vat yeah and then i remember when when i ordered gaden leather and had it sent to to my sister's place in dubai the limit there well i'll just use um, pesos to 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 be consistent and to illustrate yeah. my point. Um, it's around 13,000 13, pesos. So there's an extra 3k, um, you know, wiggle room <laughs> to play around with. So there, but it's kind of like you know, kind of close mm-hmm. to each other. So there. Gosh, 
I'm not sure how to feel about all of this. Like, <laughs> the only thing I actually feel good about is the fact that we live near Japan. So at least yeah. that makes Japanese pens more accessible and slightly cheaper than, say, if we lived on, on the Western Front, right? So, guys, sailor pens are likely a bit cheaper here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's good. But we still are subject to a lot of things. Like, for example, the platinum that limited, the annual limited edition line, prices are still like, Yes. out of reach regardless of us being near the source but yeah pricing is a complicated thing and it's a cause of ambivalence and i'm i'm at the loss of words wait i'm gonna look at our notes <laughs> no, no, no problem well yeah i do remember one of the questions that you have about you know all of these things i remember you were reacting about the pricing of a specific uh, specific set of goods. And we were uh, talking about the end of it. Like, yeah. So I was also trying to, you know, traverse between the lines of ethical and ethical. And I did consult um, our, our, our economist friend about it. And in terms of the ethics of it, it's not necessarily unethical uh-huh. to put a higher price point because it's not an essential good. Yeah, it's luxury. what they would even call as a, uh, Veblen good. Ooh, Veblen or, good. I'm gonna yeah. Google right now. <laughs> a Veblen good or a Veblen good? Yeah, I think it's Veblen. Yeah. So oh, a Veblen, What is it? Sorry. Go ahead. Basically, a good. Um, or the the concept there is that the demand for a good increases as the price actually increases. Um, and it's an it's a a contradiction, a total contradiction of the law of demand <laughs> resulting in some, some change in this whole d- demand and supply curving. Um, okay. Okay. Or in simple terms, <laughs> Go. why do we buy luxury goods? Even if it kills our wallets. Exactly. Right? Even if the, the price point increases, even if the Chanel purses, I, I remember there's there are a bunch of memes about the Ch- Chanel purses. Yeah, it's as much as another mess right now. Like it's like a hundred dollars difference. That's that's insane. Why? But despite that, the demand for it still increases. Because there's still prestige attached to being able to pay the higher price. Is that well? Yeah, economists would call it something like a snob effect. You know, um, there's that willingness to pay because there's that prestige that comes with the good because of its rarity or its brand identity. Or in simple terms, it's the fear of missing out. Like, I'm going to pay for it because I don't want to miss out. That's me with Hugo Zakura, and it took me months to admit (laughs) to myself. That Jika, you know, you just want to spend because you have a fear of missing out because they said that it's limited edition run and now it had like two extra runs. And I'm like, maybe it's not as rare as I think it was. And now I'm just like, okay, you guys can have it. I have my Twinkle Milky Way. So Yeah. Although we, we can't really label um, strictly or directly that fountain pens are Veblen goods compared to um, luxury items like, mm-hmm. uh, well, designer goods but i do think fountain pens are 
you know, clothes, some pens are in the luxury line, yeah. right? Like, and with the way yeah. they charge us in customs, like, <laughs> it's clearly categorized and declared as a luxury good with the way they charge us for it. Angry. Oh yeah, we can only just suggest that it may be a Veblen good given the fact that um, the higher the price is at times even, even if the price increases, um, the good the good the price of the good increases the 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 demand for it still you know increases i mean this the the people selling this stuff have nothing to lose by raising the prices so i guess chanel had it had like an even like a good head on their shoulders when they were making that decision someone in the in the boardroom was like probably me you know we're getting too close to our mezzanine prices and then the rest was like no shut up we're fine we're gonna be good yeah, there's always that market research that really comes into it. So they have to really feel out the feel out the market to understand and to determine where consumers are comfortable in a specific price point. Where am I comfortable in the consumer <laughs> price point? Like I am so confused right now. Like again, it's it's a fact. And this is like, how would you call it? Maybe it's my own psychological. I'm satisfied. Like it's my own thing. I got my grill. I'm satisfied. There isn't really much I want there after. Like, I see a bunch of stickers. Yeah, sure. Washi. Okay, go. But, like, after that, I have no urges. Like, I know that I'm just buying stationery now for the lipstick effect. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that? sometimes yeah i do i do sometimes you know it's like a you know it's like it's like a lollipop like a, a treat you know like oh i had a bad day i need a small treat so you know for me like of course i'm not i'm not gonna go order a lipstick i mean i don't use lipstick <laughs> but you know like in a in a when it's a normal situation probably when you just go to a convenience store you see something like oh a small treat maybe i need a lip balm or maybe i need this or maybe i i want this as a as a prize um and i do tend to gravitate to that um especially during the early days of the pandemic um mm-hmm. i just want an insert for my traveler's notebook or i want <laughs> i just want a midori small notebook yeah. um you know um people from analog we like oh are you sure you just want that maybe you want to try this ink also so yeah it it, it just ends up just ends up building up yeah so there oh gosh yeah but i think we have one unresolved you know point of the discussion here about the numbered pens or those that are limited edition right oh i have one of those and like i i i I find it a bit absurd because like my numbered pen is a leonardo and it's not a limited run it's just that all leonardo pens are numbered and I don't get the logic of it. Is it like psychologically they want me to think that it's rare, but I know that the like the resin tube or whatever they're using to make the to make the pen body is I mean, I know it's limited, but it's also somewhat repeatable. So like I don't get the logic of numbering pens other than when they're limited edition. And do all limited edition pens have numbers? Sorry, I have thoughts. Ryan, help me. Well, those with numbers or those that that would say that it's limited edition would give you this impression or maybe even an illusion of a fixed supply 
And so behaviorally or psychologically, you would think that because it's a fixed supply, it's limited. And thus, that's you know the whole psychology of fear of missing out because of its rare the concept of rarity that comes with that whole illusion of being limited. It's like when they said tomorrow river paper would be out of business <laughs> and and then and the, everyone was hoarding and then i remember someone messaging galen leather that he did the math and like i think galen leather reposted it that some person messaged them and was like okay i've calculated how many tomorrow river paper notebooks i need for the rest of my life can you supply me with 200 plus within this given time and it's like <laughs> what insane <laughs> But yeah. yeah, it's how humans behave in in a in a system in an economic system. Um, They're making us panic, and I I'm I'm saying I'm not complaining, guys. I'm just saying that I am subject to it. But panic during shopping is not fun. <laughs> but here's the thing, Jika. This is a very story way of looking at it. Are they really causing the panic or is it us in our illusion, in our desires that is causing us to panic? My therapist the would say, we are accountable for the things that we think, say, and do. So <laughs> by that logic, I am fully accountable for my own panic in the face exactly. of a limited edition Sailor Bro gear. Exactly. So but, go, sorry. Uh, You know, psychologically, they, they, that's why they, they have this concept of irrational consumption behavior. When you are placed in a rather difficult situation in making choices, um, in psychology, Daniel Kahneman calls it, you know, thinking fast. So you don't really reflect on your decisions anymore because it's there and there's a threat <laughs> that comes with it. Like, oh, the threat of losing this paper, the threat of not having this pen, the threat of not owning this bottle of ink. And so the threat isn't really clear to us, but it comes from within, like your psychology. Like what, what is your fear then? Is it the fear of missing out? Yeah. yeah. And we are social creatures and we can't help but really fear that we're not part of a, you know, part of that group or a collective group that celebrates what's new, what's modern, what's current. So there. I hope you're happy, all you fountain pen and stationary people. I have panicked in the face of all of you. And I have given <laughs> your money, but I have very little buyer's remorse. So everybody wins. Yeah, that's true. Or, sorry, go ahead. Go, go, go. No, I was just going to say, like, who actually wins after all of this? I have all the buyers, immediate buyer's remorse. And then, like, later, it's like, yes, I made great decisions. But do I actually benefit from all these investments? Well, it addresses your needs. Yes. But if I die, will my children... <laughs> I think that's the other elephant in the room. Because like, 
I mean, we've talked to people. We've talked many times over. And we've talked to Angel, right? Our economist friend. Um, like, what about the goods? Like, are they good for good? Like, for a long time? Because if you look, I mean, I'm sorry to go in the absurdist slant of things. It's my favorite topic whenever I teach it. But like, if you look at things, a pen is just metal and plastic. Or like, unless you have the special material ones. Like, it's a pen. Like, if you go Customerushi, it's a pen. Pilot Customerushi Vermilion. There's metal in it. There's some gold in it. Majority is plastic, but it's layered with, like, some... What do you call it? Tree Lacker. juice. Lacquer. I was like, tree juice. Lacquer. <laughs> right? And then it goes through this laborious process wherein the specialist does it. But fact is, it's just like, it's a thing that we invest in. And you can say the same thing about Rolexes and cars and keyboards and everything. But, and I know that, and uh, sorry, I know that it all has value to me, but like, I want to talk about monetary value too. Will my kids live off of it? Yeah. Actually, you know, one of the impressions we do have, especially when we started with the hobby, Our, our way of rationalizing the, the purchase is to say that it will increase in value. But if you would notice, at some point, the value increase is quite minimal. Or right now, especially if you bought a pen recently, then you resell it, you have to lower the pricing. Yeah. And um, it really needs a bit of a generation, um, a generational movement for, for that increase to happen um it has to become a memento eventually like it's a memento from the 1940s from the 1950s notice how now those that are considered um like probably valued quite high would be those that were very old pens which are still in very good and pristine condition what well i can't really say much about those that are have had to have had to go through repair But I could imagine those that have been preserved <laughs> and mm. have been as, as a memento. And so um, our economist friend did say that that, re that high resale value may not happen within our lifetime even. It's possible that the value of that object may only be realized when we're gone. <laughs> My face says yeah. a lot in this episode. <laughs> But if you think about it, I mean, I get what she's saying. I get what Angel is saying. That like, if it's vintage and well-preserved, then go ahead. It's going to go high museum, museum piece levels. But I mean, if you look at the vintage pen market, at least from what we see and what we ourselves purchase, the value in relation to the original price clearly has risen, but not so much that it's competitive with the limited editions right now or the special kinds of pens, right? So like, I think that's what I'm worried about with my collection. Obviously, again, they're valuable to me. I'd still want to give them to my kids and everything. Um, it's still like heirloom material, but it just really makes you wonder as well, um, given that you can't really tell the value of the pen, of the product, um, and also knowing that the fountain pen, in essence, is kind of useless if you don't use it, right? And you, you have to put it, you have to ink it. 
And that okay. will cause even the slightest damage. You're going to have to twist the cap. You're going to have to twist the body. You're going to have to reload it with ink, clean it intermittently, so on and so forth. So it's never going to be in the most pristine condition as in the day that you bought it. And my point is really that if you think about it, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's not. But it just made me evaluate the extent to which I acquire and keep. I'm kind of grateful for that, though. Like, knowing this now and, like, just, like, seeing it in application with our pen collections, it's just making me think, like, oh, what does this mean about the next pen that I'm going to get? And you know that I've been telling you to get the Moon Man, the the Majan... (laughs) The Majan Koveko? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? No. But yeah, so that's the thing. I'm just now in a more ruminative state after learning all of this. Yeah, imagine doing this, this, this recording, uh, this specific episode, and then we all come to some form of realization that maybe at the end of the day, your question, Jika, about value cannot really answer, be answered through a business or an economic framework. It maybe can be answered philosophically because at the end of the day, all of these values are socially constructed. <laughs> I hate you, but I do love you. And I think that my outfit of pots of gold is totally irrelevant still. Like, I think we met our goals. I will open my pen case later and stare at everyone and think about them. Yeah. Nalungkot. Sobrang nalungkot. Look at this narrative that we are trying to achieve in this episode. We're not really selling um, or promoting any pen right now, but we're more of like contemplating on our consumption. And maybe uh, what we're trying to see here is that maybe in line with what we've done in like the previous episodes, we've been talking about reflecting on your consumption. But back then, we didn't really have any framework of understanding these things. Hopefully, looking at it in a consumeristic behavioral economics perspective could really help us make sense of our consumption patterns. And maybe if you're listening and maybe you've bought a lot of pants and you just needed a slap in the face, well, here it is. <laughs> I'm just totally kidding. Please continue listening. We will continue just giving you guys content, which we know will be valuable. Oh, yes, our content is valuable. So I guess that's a good way to end things, guys. Hopefully you aren't, hopefully you're just ruminative at the end yeah. of this episode because it's really, I, I think that it's still valuable even if I'm treading on almost, I'm going to sell my pens territory. Because, I mean, yeah, I'm almost there. And I hate shipping stuff. You guys know this. So, like, but if it comes to a point wherein, you know, you got to evaluate things and hold on to what is valuable to you, like knowing your own definitions of value, then no regrets, right? And, like, it's it's economy, it's business, still in tandem with your core values, with your principles. And we're totally for that, as with everything else. Yeah, and also maybe I just like to end with this idea that, yeah, sure, um, you resell the pen and maybe it's going to be sold at a lower price or at a cheaper mm-hmm. price. But there are certain things that the pen, that the money that you get out of selling that pen could replace. The joy you felt, that mm-hmm. excitement you felt when you got your first pen, 
um, the way it addressed a specific need the time when you had it. So that's the trade-off. That's the deal now of, you know, the experience that you have gone through with that pen. And that value is something that no money can buy. Oh, ganda. Everything has opportunity cost. We're going to close the episode now with more economic terms. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I hope you guys had a chance to just think about things. Well, we're, we're just starting a conversation actually. It's not really, this is not a didactic episode. We're not telling you things. We're not even experts. We're just trying to be pen noobs talking about our journey and we hope that you join us in this, this journey. And so far we've had, how many episodes now? This is the 25th. Oh, no, it's not the 25th. It's still the 23rd. Oh, 23rd. Oh, no. 23rd. <laughs> Advance. But we're almost there. Maybe the 24th episode will be the... So this is like the penultimate episode before the, the last one uh, to cap off like 24 yeah, episodes. We'll have, we'll have, by this point, but in the first episode of March will be yeah. our anniversary-ish episode. So we've been doing this for a year, guys. At that time. In the future. <laughs> Bad attendances. But yes. So hang tight. Um, we're not going to take any more of your time, but we do want to thank you for hanging out and participating in this conversation. And of course, follow us at the Pendulums Podcast on Instagram. Listen to us, tell your friends about us, and think hard about your values and the valuable things that you have. Yay! Goodbye. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, bye.